Hey, what up? Hello, everybody. Alex Kapitko here, centered from Reality Podcast. First and foremost, audio will be a little bit not as great today. I don't want to say horrible, but just not as great because we're doing another car episode. I'm watching it rain, sitting here in Truckee, California. Maybe you're going to get a little bit of an ASMR podcast. I don't know. It stopped raining for the moment, but if you hear any rain, it's not for aesthetic. It's because it's actually raining outside. So anyways, yes, we are sitting in the car. Beautiful day. It is Thursday, November 16th, and I want to talk about two things here today. First off, I want to talk about what's going on in Spain, and then I also want to talk about how the Trump or the potential 2024 Trump administration and his allies are screening for loyalists. So if they get back into office, they will only have people that agree with Trump's agenda, will not get in the way. So basically there will be no more guardrails like what we saw at the end of 2020 in Trump's first First administration. administration. So the reason I want to talk about uh, Spain today is because I saw our old buddy Tucker Carlson. He's on X, quite a radical show on X, by the way. So much misinformation that I really can't even keep up with it. But anyways, he was in Madrid at some far-right protests. Vox, which is a really far-right, almost pro-Franco party in Spain, they had a rally along with some people from Pepe, which is the Partido Popular, which is kind of center-right. And basically, Tucker went there because what the right is claiming is that the left is trying to do a coup in Spain. And so Tucker went there to, as he said, give a voice to the people. I actually don't have the video in front of me because I don't have Wi-Fi for this episode. But basically, he joins the protesters in Madrid, records him there. He he meets Abascal, Pedro Abascal, who is the leader of Vox, who was a, a Franco sympathizer, right-wing nut. And Tucker's like, well, I'm glad I'm here to give a voice to you guys to bring attention to this. Basically, Tucker's acting like no one is covering what's happening in Spain. But um, just just to fact check Tucker there, I went on uh, went online. The Economist has articles about what's going on in Spain. ABC, CNN, The Guardian, Reuters, pretty much any news outlet that follows European events is covering this. But of course, Tucker is spreading misinformation about it is basically giving a one-sided look at this is again using his American far-right perspective and applying it to an issue that he doesn't understand and I will say what's happening in Spain is not a coup but it's an interesting conversation around whether the left should trade amnesty to separatists for power and so I saw this Tucker video I saw a lot of people have liked it and shared it So I decided it's worth probably going into this and trying to explain what's actually going on in Spain because over the last week or so, you've seen the right not be able to get a coalition government together. And you have also seen basically violent protests and arrests happening in Madrid and other Spanish cities. So it's worth talking about. And I I lived in Spain for a long time. I was there during the last protest that led to a crackdown on civil rights. And I thought it would be worth talking about for a moment. So Basically, I talked about this back over the summer when it happened, but in July, there was an election in Spain. A lot of people thought Vox and the far right was going to do really well in places like Andalusia, which is in southern Spain, and in places, yeah, pretty much southern Spain was where they were thinking, and probably Extremadura as well because it's poor and pretty regional. But anyways, um, 
what happened was the right did win. Like, it got the most votes in the election. And when I say the right, I mean mainly Pepe, the Partido Popular, which is the center-right party. It got Pepe got first, but it did worse than expected. And basically, they did well enough to get a plurality, so like over a third, but they didn't do well enough to actually form a coalition majority government. So Spain's kind of been in limbo right now while the right has been trying to form a coalition government. And then at the same time, you have Pedro Sanchez, who was the prime minister of Spain, who is the leader of PSOE, P-S-O-E, which is the left of center party. He's also been trying to form a coalition. So what you have here is basically Pedro Sanchez, his PSOE party got second in the July elections behind Pepe, which is the center right party. But Pepe has been unable to form a government. So now Pedro Sanchez, his his PSOE party, is trying to form their own coalition so that maybe he can maintain power and become prime minister once again. Now, Reuters writes here in quotes, Last week, after conservative leader Alberto Núñez Fejío failed in his bid on Friday, it is now the turn of acting prime minister Pedro Sanchez of the Socialists to, to try to strike a deal. And so that's what's happened is because the right, even though they got first in that July election, hasn't been able to form a government, Pedro Sanchez has just been acting prime minister since. And now he's basically saying, I should just try to form a coalition government and keep power. So that's why the people like Tucker Carlson and Vox are saying this is a coup. But in reality, I think what's happening is the right just isn't able to govern and coalition build. So the left is trying to. But now we are seeing violent protests around the country and people are saying this is a coup. So getting into the details of what's happening here and why the right is so mad. Basically, Pedro Sanchez is trying to remain in power by bringing a coalition together of regional parties that are all left or even far left. And unfortunately, and I do think this is unfortunate, some of these parties are separatists, mainly from the Basque country and from Catalonia. For today, we're just going to talk about the Catalan ones. And basically, Sanchez needs to make a deal with two small Catalan separatist parties. And this is actually giving them an outsized influence in Spanish politics. And a little side note to this is that the right has been very or wants to be very heavy handed towards Catalonia and they want to make sure the separatists are punished. And so this is a big slap in the face to anyone who doesn't agree with the separatists, some of them who ended up in prison, others have been on self-exile. And basically, if, if Pedro Sanchez wants a coalition government, he needs to make a deal with Esquerra Republicana de Catalunya, the ERC, and Junts, who are Catalonian separatist parties. And Reuters notes that Pedro Sanchez needs 14 votes in Spain's 350-seat lower house of parliament to achieve a majority. And this is controversial because, okay, so back in 2017, Charles Puigdemont, who was the leader of of Catalan parties at the time in Spain, he wanted to hold a referendum in 2017 basically to, to declare independence, much like the Scottish have kept calling on a referendum to leave the United Kingdom. Different, but for this case, we're just going to use that as a comparison. And so what happens is Catalonia holds this referendum to leave Spain and Mariano Rajoy, who is the prime minister of Spain at the time, center-right leader, he basically sends the Guardia Civil, which is kind of like the national police, 
into Barcelona and other parts of Catalonia, and they block voting facilities, kind of rough around protesters, lock up some of the party officials that called for the referendum. And you see kind of a civil crackdown on human rights in Barcelona. And it was controversial at the time because it reminded a lot of Spanish people, especially older Spanish Catalans, of what happened during Franco's time, when Franco had a very heavy-handed rule on Catalonia and was very violent towards Catalonia. And so, anyways, I was in Madrid at the time, and even in Madrid there were crazy protests against the Rajoy government, also for the Rajoy government. I remember being down in Plaza de Sol, which is kind of like the main touristy plaza in the center of Madrid. And I remember the Guardia Civil was cracking down. I, I, I remember seeing it, the protests turn into riots. It was a pretty crazy time. And then I went up with some buddies and shot parts of a documentary up in Barcelona after that, trying to talk with Catalans about all of this. I, I don't know. It was a really interesting time. But basically what happens is Charles Pugemont, the guy who... Sorry, Siri heard me. But anyways, Charles Pugemont, the leader of the Catalan referendum to leave Spain, he flees to Brussels on self-exile. And now there's a lot of separatists who have fled Catalonia, living in other places that would be arrested if they returned to Spain because the Spanish constitution says it's illegal to hold a referendum to leave Spain. So that gets us to where basically Pedro Sanchez needs some of these left-leaning separatist parties but they say they will only vote with him if he basically pardons some of these separatists that are on self-exile. And I'm assuming this means um, Charles Pugemont himself. And what happens now is that there's a lot of controversy in this because, well, first off, you're basically pardoning perceived criminals just so you can get a majority. But there's also a controversy here, and I understand this to a certain extent, because the right wing, the Pepe parties and Vox and all them, well, not Vox, Pepe got first in the election in July. But it seems like the second place party, PSOE, is trying to form the majority government by giving amnesty to separatists to basically get them on the side to get enough votes to have a majority. And I was watching some Spanish news out of Madrid and they were interviewing people that were protesting against this. And there were a lot of young people that were basically saying they are mad because the government, in their opinion, is making a deal with criminals in order to get like seven votes. And this one guy they were interviewing, he's like, they are pardoning criminals, but what happens if the government doesn't last long? And this is an interesting thing because Spain has had more elections than I can count. I think there were like three or four elections just during my time in Madrid. And so basically, Pedro Sanchez, they need these seven votes. They're going to give amnesty to separatists and they do this. Okay. Does it set a bad precedent? Like how long does the government last? Is it even worth crossing the Rubicon here? If the government lasts like three or four months, you know what I mean? And you have to wonder, does this incentivize further actions from some of these separatist movements? I do think the Tucker Carlson's and the Vox people calling this a coup are, are, are going way too far here. And I also have to wonder if amnesty is a good idea here, because if, say, if you want Spain to be a unified country and you want Catalan to be a happy, welcoming part of Spain and not hate Madrid and other parts of the center of Madrid or of, of Spain, sorry, then you do need to find a way to welcome some of these people back into the system. 
So maybe you give amnesty with limits, like you make a deal to give amnesty if they don't do another referendum. Because if you keep treating these people like criminals, it's not going to make the situation better down the road. It could make it more volatile and a lot more dangerous. But then again, I guess I do understand the criticism of, well, Pepe got first, so they should be the party that's able to form the majority government and, and elect their prime minister, right? Or, or appoint their prime minister. But, but then again, this tells me the right isn't able to govern well because the left is still actually able to bring different coalitions together. And I also think that the right is saying, why are they pardoning criminals? This is a coup. Tucker's there inflaming everybody and spreading misinformation. But we also know that the right would totally do the same. They would totally do the same if they could pardon someone like say they could pardon like war criminals or former like Franco party allied members. They would totally do it. They would totally do it if, if it means forming a government. Right. I think this is not a coup. It's a sign of just how broken our politics are around the world. It's a sign of the hyperpolarization that's happening. And and it's going to be interesting to see what happens because I did see I did see before I started recording this that it looks like Sanchez has secured a deal to to ally with some of these separatist parties. I'm just curious if this unifies parts of Spain or if it makes him an ally of the Catalan government but then makes him somewhat of an enemy to like the average like center right or centrist Spanish voter. Time will only tell, but Spanish politics is weird. Yes, there's always been protests in here, but I think now we're seeing an interesting uh, series of events here. And I will bet you guys that we're going to see like Steve Bannon and more of Tucker allying with Vox and Abascal to literally just claim that, that the country was stolen by separatists and socialists and communists. Like that's the interesting phenomenon I'm seeing out of this is that we are seeing this same trend throughout Europe and the United States is that if, if a party is unable to form a government or loses an election, then instead of trying to figure out how to do better next time or appeal to more people or form better coalitions in this case, they just claim it's stolen. They, they just, just claim, claim it's a coup. coup. And, and I just don't really know if that's a healthy way to govern, but I, I guarantee you guys we're going to see more of Steve Bannon. We're going to see more of Tucker. It's, it's just inevitable. And I guess my question to you guys is, why the hell is Tucker there? Like, Tucker is like an American, you know, national conservative now, conspiracy theorist. Like, like why does he care about what's happening in Spain? There's so many contradictions here because this is a guy who claims to be America first. He doesn't care about what's happening in Ukraine. But then he always goes and interviews like Victor Orban or in this case, um, taking photos with Abascal. Like, he, he does seem okay, much like Trump. He criticizes our allies, but then meets with some of the worst actors. So isn't that lovely? But anyways, we'll have to keep watching what's going on in Spain. Spanish politics fascinate me. And it's it would be really fascinating to me if we see the party that came in second, the left behind the right in the last election, ends up leading the country with a majority government. And I, I'm just curious what side effects that has going forward. But I, I am really torn about pardoning or giving amnesty to separatists like Charles Puigdemont because he basically creates this referendum. The Guardia Civil cracks down on voters in Barcelona and around Catalonia, and then he just flees to Brussels. I've always seen him as a bit of a coward, and I think he should have been held accountable for basically helping stir the pot and then not even going down with the ship when it starts sinking. 
Anyways, um, probably tomorrow we'll talk about Biden's meeting with Xi, President Xi of China. I think there was some good stuff that came out of it. Um, the agreement to restore military dialogue between Beijing and D.C. That's important because you need open channels of conversation during these kind of volatile and dangerous times. So I'm very for that. I also think um, limiting illicit exportation of chemicals used to make fentanyl. Very good. We also might get some pandas out of the deal, apparently. So that's good. But again, this shows me that like China is never going to be our friend, particularly. And China has definitely different goals. It's friends with our adversaries as well. But it shows me that at least Biden, unlike our uh, unlike our former president, Trump, at least he can meet with China and come to some sort of agreement on things that can benefit both sides. I think that's I think that's important. I think that's good news. So anyways, the last thing I did want to talk about, though, today is a pretty troubling Axios report. And the headline for it is former President Trump's allies are pre-screening the ideologies of thousands of potential foot soldiers as part of an unprecedented operation to centralize and expand his power at every level of the U.S. government if he wins in 2024. And Axios has interviewed people actually involved in this. And again, I've said time and time again, a lot of these people aren't being secret about this stuff anymore. They're not tongue in cheek saying they're going to do it. They're just saying, no, this is our plan. We're going to fucking do this. And so in this case, like if they tell you what they're going to do, believe them. And this, obviously I've talked about schedule F, the idea of right to hire inside of the government, turning the civil service into right to work and then purging it basically and putting in loyalists. Well, this is just another report that backs that up. And Axios writes here in quotes, Hundreds of people are spending tens of millions of dollars to install a pre-vetted pro-Trump army of up to 54,000 loyalists across government to rip off the restraints imposed on the previous 46 presidents. And now we have to remember the only reason why Trump didn't probably seize the election from Biden is because there's guardrails and there's separations of powers. And there was a military establishment that didn't agree with him. And there were people around him that said, no, bro, we're not doing this. And Trump obviously knows that's the case. And it sounds like he's willing to just rip that bandaid off and say, nope, only loyalists. And so basically what's happening here is that they, obviously Trump's not president, but this goes along with, with, you know, the plan 2025 that the Heritage Foundation is going off of. It's going along with Schedule F that I've talked about. But basically this is called Agenda 47. And basically, if Trump were to win in 2024, basically they would, basically what they're doing now is they're pre-vetting a bunch of potential MAGA allies, academics, college students that would be ready for legal, judicial, defense, regulatory, and domestic jobs once Trump is in office, if he gets reelected. And so... The first time Trump Trumpism was kind of stupid and goofy and he didn't really know what he was doing. This time, from my understanding, they're looking for that bright kid that just graduated from Harvard who maybe has some kind of far right, almost fascist authoritarian views. And, you know, they exist. There's a lot of smart people with dangerous ideas. And basically the most elaborate part of this so far, according to Axios, is that they um, they have a pre transition resume collection project that is looking at the political philosophy of applicants 
instead of their experience or education or credentials, which to me is just terrifying if you're trying to have an effective bureaucracy, which of course these people don't want, so it makes sense. But they are they're asking questions in this according to Axios, like name one living public policy figure whom you greatly admire and why. So if you say like George W. Bush, probably not happening. And so, you know, Stephen Miller's involved in this, Heritage Foundation, former Trump allies, very, very troubling in a sense. And then on top of this, apparently the Heritage Foundation's presidential personnel database has 4,000 plus entries. And I guess they're using different programs to basically run searches through people's social media histories, looking into people maybe questioning or saying there should be limits on Trump's power, looking at different keywords, or maybe they've criticized Trump before. Those people would be disqualified. Um, Axios also writes, the massive headhunting quest aims to recruit 20,000 people to serve in the next administration. That's fun. Now, Now, of course, it's kind of funny because apparently people involved in this have said, well, this would also be for Haley or Ron DeSantis if one of them got elected. Like, we're just making this for all Republicans. But it's pretty clear that this is undeniably a Trump-driven operation. You You know know what I mean? mean? And of course, I actually don't think it's a bad idea to look at some of the bureaucratic rot inside of our federal government. The idea of finding more efficient ways to do things, make it make you able to fire bad employees. I think that's totally fine. I think the higher you go up in government, there are there are people that don't like their jobs or don't do much or should be fired. They shouldn't be protected. I think that's totally fine, but it, sh- it should be based on merit and skill than anything else. But in this case, it looks like they're trying to politicize it completely and just find loyalists in every way possible. And I don't know about you guys, but that's I don't think that's good if you want to have an independent bureaucracy that is not politicized. And again, this is all based on, you know, Trump's arguments that the, the, the Justice Department and the federal government are weaponized against Trump. This is what they usually do is they basically say there's a problem or they create a problem and then find solutions to this non-existent problem. And that's what we're seeing here. And it, it, it is terrifying. So this reminds me again that I don't like Biden very much at all. But I will probably vote for him or vote for someone else just because I just don't want Trump completely eroding our independent bureaucracies and putting in people that basically want to be loyal to the Republican Party. Because that is not healthy for a democracy. That's not healthy for a government. And we just can't have that going forward. So anyways, a little bit shorter episode today. I just wanted to get this out. Got to go on a quick run here. But you can find me on Apple Podcasts as always, Spotify, iTunes, Podbean. You guys know the rest. We'll keep following what's happening in Spain. I will probably talk about Biden tomorrow more in his meeting with Chi. And if anything else crazy happens, we'll talk about that as well. Adios.